Welcome to We Chat Divorce, hosted by Karen Chalou, Legal Liaison, and Katherine Shanahan, CDFA. Each episode, we sit down with divorce professionals and industry experts to provide insights and frank discussions about real people, real situations, and real divorce to help you achieve your best life post-divorce. This episode of We Chat Divorce is brought to you by My Divorce Solution, offering divorce financial planning so clients can secure the divorce settlement they deserve. Visit MyDivorceSolution.com to request access. Welcome to WeChat Divorce, brought to you by My Divorce Solution and hosted by myself, Karen Shalou, Legal Liaison, and Katherine Shanahan, Divorce Financial Specialist and CDFA. On these special explainer episodes, we answer the top questions about divorce, giving you confidence and clarity. We are super excited today because we're going to talk about, well, I'm not going to talk about, today is our 100th episode. So we are going to talk about going from zero to 100 and everything in between. We'll probably have some bloopers in here because we're just so excited. This is not really a planned episode. It's just we wanted to hop on, really share some information with you. We went back and actually looked at our first episode, which was what we wish we knew. And now, gosh, now we just need to, you to know what we wish you know. Um, because there's a lot of things that have been happening here at My Divorce Solution. There's so many stories. We could probably write a book about it. And these stories are really not to make fun of and not to, you know, it is to take it a little bit serious because we want you to learn from them. And sharing the stories is for you to get some insight that you're not alone, that this stuff is going on. And some of the stuff going on, I mean, seriously, we just couldn't make this up. Um, It's so crazy which is the unfortunate part, because it is really about real situations and real people that we know. Um, But we want to talk about some things um, that you can learn and take away from it, something really positive. I love that. You know, the pathway to financial clarity is all about breaking down all of those different concepts that a lot of people just haven't explored before. And so while like you said, some of the stories can be interesting. It's just part of school. And when you go to school, you learn a lot of things. And that's what we hope to do. And that's what we hope to help anyone doing who's going through the divorce process. Yeah. So we typically talk about five things when we're guests on people's podcasts, five really important sectors of getting financially prepared. And so today we'd like to talk about those five things, but bring in real scenarios of things that have happened. And uh, the first of that is the components of a marital estate. So many people have no idea what makes up their marital estate. I I hear that a lot. You know, they think, well, it's anything with my name on it or whatever my spouse says it is. Well, that's what it is. Right. Or what you're what you've already started to negotiate. Then, you know, really big ticket items can go unnoticed. So it really is important to start with what is my marital estate? What is my community property? And yeah, to break that down a little bit, that is all the assets that you own. So that's your bank accounts, your retirement accounts, anything that has a uh, value to it. And it doesn't matter if it's in your name only, if it's in your spouse's name, if it's jointly held. Um, If it is something that you acquired during your marriage, 
then it would be possibly considered marital property, right? There are components like community, our community property states um, and, and even our equitable distribution states that they're separate property, but that does comprise of your estate. So knowing what your assets are, also knowing what your debts are, and that's your credit card debt, your mortgages, any liens on any property that you own, any money that you owe to somebody else. You know, so knowing what that comprises of. And then, of course, we have your income and your expenses. Absolutely. And, you know, even more than, well, the account statements, of course, whether they have your name on them or not, but real estate can also be a big one. Some people think, you know, well. Can be a big one. That is it, a big one. especially Yeah, right yeah. absolutely. <laughs> because there's all kinds of nuances as, you know, sometimes a third party, a parent or another person is on the real estate. Sometimes uh, premarital monies were used to purchase the real estate. And so people just get confused about, well, what of it can we divide? However, they'll quickly go to negotiating about it before they've even identified what of it is marital, marital or divisible, as we can also um, talk about. You're reminding me of a client. Um, this was a Pennsylvania client, and I want to talk about that when we talk about one of the other uh, uh, interpretation later. Mm -hmm. Glad you brought that up. But while we're still in here of understanding the components, I would love for you to share the story of the income and expenses that were recorded for one of our clients that led her to have to pay a support number that was outrageous. And it's because oh her gosh. attorney put her gross revenue of her business as her income. Oh, well, that has happened multiple times, but I know the one you're specifically talking about. So in most cases, if you don't have, if you haven't done the preparation work, you're going to get handed a blank set of papers called financial disclosure, statement of net worth, they're called declaration of disclosures. They have various names across different states. Fill this out, please because you need to disclose your income and expense, your assets and debts before we can get started. So you start filling it out the best you know how. And that's what this person did and many of our clients have done. So she just wrote down the gross revenue of the business as her income. The attorney team took it and put that forward to put in temporary orders. And all of a sudden, she owed uh, temporary support. It could not be undone um, until the final order was issued. And imagine, first of all, she didn't have the money to spend. And second of all, imagine the precedence it set for her that she was capable of paying that. It was devastating. And I remember her new attorney, because I remember being on that call saying, oh, gosh, now I have to amend this with the court. But it is it is absolutely incorrect. The, her, the prior, her prior team did yeah. it incorrectly. And that's not understanding what income is. And then when you're handed that form, you don't just fill it out saying, OK, OK, this is where we get our clients prepared. And I love that part about our process, although I don't like doing the budgets, as you know, and you're the pro I do. I know. <laughs> and you're the pro at, at that, which is awesome. Um, but it's a huge mistake. And oh my gosh, I can remember her in tears. Like, I can't believe I have to pay him this many thousands of dollars a month. And it's, I don't even have that cash flow. Yeah. 
and it's still not undone. It's not something that can just be undone to your point. Mm -hmm. There's still six, seven months later and it's not undone. It's a battle now. So, you know, it, it was a simple recording of a number that became a runaway train. I, I'm going to guess maybe 5% of our clients actually record the income that is correct that the courts can use. There's so many nuances that people just don't know. And so that is a component that's critical and valuable um, to anyone approaching this process. You know, I have a story from my own divorce. So we had a business. And while I didn't run the business at all, I had my own job. I happened to be owner of the company. Why? Because women-owned companies get benefits these days, right? So when we got divorced, um, I was still owner of the company. So it was a component of our marital estate. And I remained owner. When my ex went bankrupt, guess who got charged with all the outstanding debt the company owed. Yeah, that was that's tough. extraordinary. Well, that's interpreting some of your components. And I'm glad you bring that up because I do want to elaborate on that when we get to that point. Mm-hmm. But that is also what could have screwed you with your income too, because you were the owner. So some of that income, who knows, you could have had K-1s out there, you could have anything. And so understanding what your income even was for that. And you had attorneys. I mean, you had good attorneys. Um, you had access to them. You worked at a law firm. Absolutely. Yep. And those things aren't going to show up in legal discovery. You know, that's where you would be identifying what it is, who's the owners, how does it work? You know, where are the agreements? Those are all very important components of your marital estate for sure. Let's lead that into accessing Mm -hmm. because what you just said now, I want to elaborate on when you access. A lot of times people say, okay, well, I don't have access to my documentation. And my gosh, we must have been asked a thousand times, how do we access this information? And one thing that we do do, what you were just alluding to, I believe, is that we sit down and provide that space in our 10 steps to provide information. And then that's not to tell us about every fear your spouse had or everything that went wrong in your marriage over the last 20 years. It's the space to kind of recount your financial life. And so you only you knew that information that you were the owner of that company. And so, yes. I didn't remember it. That's oh, you didn't remember at the time. <laughs> so a lot of people will sit there and say, okay, but I remember my spouse working at here and then they worked at this company and they worked at this company. So really there's three companies then we have to look to see if there's any retirement money still sitting at. So when you're accessing your data, sometimes just recalling your history will mm-hmm. bring up some assets that you don't recall, like you just said, or there's no way to get that information if you don't share it. So let's talk a little bit more about how do you access your information and some of the things that we've seen our clients do over the uh, last ep- during the last hundred episodes at least. Yeah, well, to your point, that is one of the things I love about our process because we provide the space for those conversations to say exactly what you just said. What retirement accounts do you have now? What was the prior employment? You know the we always go through on a budget call. If you have businesses, do you have these documents to support it? Because if someone doesn't identify what the supporting documents are to whatever assets you may have, you're never going to know that. So our process 
is set up to ask those very specific questions let's because a lot of people don't know. Yeah. But let's give a scenario. So can you think, okay. you recall the client that, um, this might be a North Carolina client that, um, was a realtor and was an owner and spouse took her off. Oh, that was a big one. Yeah. Yeah. So they owned a company together, a real estate company, and the spouse just took her off the entity documents, entity ownership documents. Um, even though the prior year she had received K-1 as an owner, the next year she did not. And her accountant let her know that she was just taken off. So while she had a marital ownership to the company, she should have also, she was also a shareholder that had been removed from her. So that in her divorce, she had less um, authority and less access to records because she had been removed. So she had to back up and take some steps to be, to correct that and to call her spouse out on that so that she could then move forward in the space because she, I think she did a ton of work in the company, but right. um it, right. it was it was incredible. And, it, and again, that happens so much. Um, so getting access to those documents is important to you. And, you know, had she asked for those documents out of the gate with her first attorney, she would have seen that she had been removed, but no one bothered to ask for those documents. It's incredible. I, I had an assessment call the other day and she had listened to one of our, well, she had listened to many of our episodes. And she said she got the confidence to go to the bank and actually ask for the bank account statements. And she found out that her spouse had taken her off one of the accounts. So she did get the prior account statements that she was on because the bank wouldn't give her the ones after the fact. Mm -hmm. But just getting the courage, I, I just, it was an assessment call, right? And just getting the courage to go to the bank and actually ask them for a transcript or a statement. The courage that takes. I was so proud of her, not even really knowing her yet. But you know, you sometimes you do have to listen to an episode and say, okay, now I can go do that because things do, do shift around. Right. Um, people go well, into protection mode. Yeah. Whether you're divorced or not, you should have access to your financial information. I think a lot of people feel like, well, I'm not the financial manager. And if I ask, it's going to cause trouble. I, I just don't agree with that because what if something happened? What if someone's in a car accident or becomes disabled or passes away or, there, you know, there's an emergency. You don't have access to this information and it would be presumed that you do. So, you know, so many people come to us and say, well, you know, we want to work this out amicably. Okay. So just ask your spouse for the access to these accounts. Oh, I don't, I don't want him to you know, I don't want to cause trouble. That, that doesn't match. And well, yeah, how are you working it out amicably, but you don't want to cause trouble. And if asking a question for something that you need to make a good decision, so you guys have a better outcome, if, if they get angry at that, then guess what? I don't think you're working through it together. Absolutely. And you know, if things would go south, you're really going to have to spend a lot of money to get access to documents that you should otherwise have full and unfettered access to. And one of those things that people find out later is um, access to credit card history and credit card accounts, because 
you have an owner of the account and then you have authorized users. But the only um, the only authority an authorized user has is to use the credit card. It doesn't mean that you have account access or anything else unless the owner, you know, gives that to you. And a lot of people don't figure that out until they've been cut off and they don't have a credit card for themselves. So there's so many uh, reasons to make sure you gain access and you get copies of documents. That's one of the most critical things, or you will be spending thousands and thousands of dollars in discovery and litigation, or you're just going to miss assets and debts uh, when you're going through the divorce process. It's very important. Yeah. And around tax time and around the end of January, I mean, actually in February and around tax time, it's the best time to get this information because all of that supporting documentation for your accountant to do your tax return is here now. So don't sign a tax return unless you have a copy of the supporting documentation. But And that leads us into interpretation. Now, Karen, you have all this stuff, right? How do you understand what it actually it means? Mean? You know, you you love when we have a spouse who just hands a uh, Excel worksheet and they're telling their spouse, this is what we have. Believe what I'm saying. And this is the best way for us to buy it because I'm going to take care of you forever. So how do you interpret all that information you just got? Yeah, the way you do. I have a good story about that, actually. Okay, tell your story. You you get a 1099 form and or you get a tax return and you see that there's $30 million or $20 million. And you think, oh gosh, you know, the question is, where is that money? And I asked the same question myself. So immediately we could jump to, we have this money to divide or we jump to, okay, what's happening? Could it be excessive trading or what have you? And one of our clients found some money there, right? When literally she was living on nothing taking care of her kids. So you don't have to understand what's actually happened. You just have to understand that it needs to be asked. It needs to be looked into to find out what you're actually um, dealing with in your marital estate. Yeah. And what that asset and or debts mean to you during the pendency of a divorce and even after a divorce. There are so many uh, people who have been advised to, well, you know, you don't have access to any of the cash accounts and your spouse isn't paying you any of the earned cash flow. So just go take money out of an IRA and start spending it, um, you know, move out, whatever. If you don't know the ramifications for that, you probably don't want to do it. Um, there's There's so many things to consider. So it's just If you don't know what these documents mean, if you don't know what these accounts mean to you, don't use them until you do. Um, Another thing a lot of people do is if they have an inheritance or if they have separate account, they start paying marital debt with those separate monies. That's another thing you can't undo. So people really need to know what all of this means to them before then either negotiating or spending or utilizing those assets and or debts. There was, I remember um, a client and she was distraught and she was actually pissed off because she's like, you know what? I've been married to him for 30 years and I went out and now I'm pissed off. He's going to get my inheritance. And it's the only reason I'm, I'm staying. 
Well, she never commingled it. She left it in an account in her name. She consulted an attorney. She came back. That money was not marital. So she was so mad at herself for staying with him extra long <laughs> because she would have left knowing that she knew it was not a marital asset. She's like, well, hell, I'm out of here now because I'm only staying because I'm afraid he's going to get that. And I don't want to take care of him because he's been, I guess he was verbally abusive to her during their whole marriage. Yeah. Um, so her just knowing that. And then on the flip side, like you said, there was also, I remember someone also equally as mad because she paid off the mortgage when she got her inherited inheritance well the home it's all equity but she's got to split it with them she doesn't get that she didn't get it back right and the flip side of that is there's a lot of people that come to the table and the assets and debts have been disclosed fairly straightforward but there's such distrust in the relationship that you see everything as not true and you spend all this money. Well, I believe my spouse spent all this money in places I didn't agree. We should have more money than this. These things should be different. When at the end of the day, if you understand it, it, it is valid. It is fact. Mm -hmm. And then this is what you have to divide. We have as many of those cases as well, I believe, right. where, you know, you just haven't been the financial manager, so you don't trust. And so you spend a ton of money in that space of distrust when all along, you know, it is what it is. That's so why we need the documentation to verify the numbers and this way your emotion can settle into it. Mm -hmm. um, you, you made me think of someone, um, oh, the spouse who was sharing the information and in that information, it was noticed that he withdrew a large amount of money to give to a woman who was unknown who now he has an outside relationship with. And as soon as it was discovered through conversation, he put it back. You know, she didn't have to go through a whole big legal legal path, but just her understanding that, wait a minute, this was not right. And saying something, getting that information that she needed, he was like, okay, I'll put it back. You know, so sometimes you can stand up for yourself a little bit um, stronger when you do have the facts and the data to support it. Mm -hmm. and that's that very true. And that brings us uh, to our next one is knowing your options and knowing the impact. And I think we started talking a little bit about it. You know, what options are available to you and what's the impact? Can you tell a little bit about that case in Wisconsin? I think it was. Um, oh, yeah. Where her attorney didn't think she needed financials. We got on the call with her. But they were telling that the pension was not able to be divided because it was in payout mode. Oh, this was such an interesting case. We even worked a Saturday, I think, because we felt so bad for her. She was crying, right? I, yeah. Terrible. Absolutely. So she came to us and she thought she had a question very, very specific. I just need you to do this pension valuation. And so many people come to us and say, just need you to do this one thing. So we, we get on the assessment call and, and we talk with her about what is the marital estate. And so other things had been missed, but not only did the pension need to be valued, there are no documents to support the pension valuation as of that point. And they were well into mediation. So she was just dumbfounded as to how many holes in their marital estate was, were just gaping. And so they 
you know, she didn't know if she was going to have enough money to live on. She didn't know the specifics about the house being divided, even though they said they were going to divide it. The specifics didn't pan out. So, you know, they could have gotten all the way to the end of mediation without a good solid agreement. And she was going to be in a deficit. Well, I remember it was like, this is not making sense. We need to get on with your attorney just so, you know, yeah. we don't want to, we don't want to go against what attorney's saying, right? A legal right. perspective, but financially mm-hmm. it wasn't logistically working out. And mm-hmm. I remember this attorney angry that we were on the call. She's like, are you going to listen to them? Or are you going to listen to me? And we're like, wait a minute, we're all on the same team here. Right. We have a financial perspective <laughs> and we really can't follow your thought process. So we're hoping that you'll explain it to us because the client is in tears even on that Zoom call. And we're we're confused. So we're thinking, okay, maybe she's going to shed some light. And I think you're the one that said there's no documentation for the pension before that. And so she got it because you asked that. But then the calculation, you know, everyone knows any calculations has a lot of assumptions. Wait, she, she billed her three hours to look at it then. Oh, that's right. She billed <laughs> her, yet she had, no, she had no input. Here's what her response was. She was, um, oh, I sent that information to the mediator and the other side had it valued. And that's what we were looking at. We're like, okay, but it doesn't make sense. Why wouldn't she have it valued? Then we sent her to one of our resources and got it valued. Mm -hmm. But they had a trial that Monday or Tuesday and our information. So we had to work so fast and clients crying and says to her with us on, like, we can't make this up. We really can't make this up says to her, are you going to listen to them or are you going to listen to me? And at that point, I remember our client just sitting up a little bit, kind of wiping her tears away and said, you know what? This is the rest of my life. It's not your life. It's mine. And I want this pension valued by somebody else. And I want to know what my other impact, because my options are, because the impact of this will affect me forever. And I just wanted to go, yay. I I was so happy. I mean, I knew that we were like tearing up because it was such a quick We had to drop everything for her, which is so hard to do. And sure enough, she went next that next week. And now she's got a permanent income for the rest of her life from that pension. She would have walked away from that. I think she was like 300,000 that she would have walked away from. Absolutely. So let me lay, uh, let me put out another layer of context here. We, they saw us as being out of state, even though we have advisors in all the states, right? So she said, look, this this pen, this valuator, whoever they used, this is what we all rely on around here. He's solid. He's good. We're, okay. We accept that. We just want to know the basis on, on how this was calculated, which she didn't know, of course. So it was the out-of-state pension valuator <laughs> right. that came to the table, not only with the valuation, but with the supporting documents. So that then clear, clear, clear negotiations could be had, of which then she benefited. So, and and even to add insult to injury, the spouse, it wasn't even his intention. No, it wasn't. To to make it worse for her. They they were really coming at this amicably, but it just wasn't playing out because no one had taken the time to verify those supporting documents because they're in mediation, right? In mediation, you just say, well, this is what we have and they take it. There's no verification process and you start negotiating. And so you just, there's nothing to rely on um, unless you've done the work yourself. 
So it was a very interesting situation because we do come across a lot of um, divorce professionals, attorneys mainly who say, well, we want our, you know, our advisors to be in state. Well, on those types of levels, they're not state mandated, right? That those valuations are right. Yeah. It's, it's data. You can it's take data. And we're not saying how this data is going to be applied to the law in your state. We're saying, here's the data. Here's the calculation. Here's the data. Here's the scenario. Everything's supported by that. Now you take that to your state attorney and now mm -hmm. apply the law to the data that the client knows. So that getting mm -hmm. a financial person that's not in your state um, doesn't necessarily line up like you're saying to me. Um, right. And again, we don't advise them what to do. So we're coming from the knowledge standpoint. Mm -hmm. And when she had that knowledge and good for her, she stood up for herself because she could have very, mm -hmm. she was scared to go to court on that Monday or Tuesday. So she yeah. could have very easily said, you know what, I'll just make my life work. And it would have been terrible um, to give that up because she wouldn't have been able to go back. Right. So understanding the impact to your decisions is something we talk about all the time and could probably do hundreds of podcasts on just the impact of those decisions. So be aware because you will have to compromise. And if you yeah. don't know the impact, like we're discussing, how do you compromise? And yes, you do have to compromise. Each party will compromise. Right. And how do you even choose your options, Catherine, if you don't know on what basis, on, like there's nothing to base the options on. And I say that from a place of so many people hop, I said this before, hop right into negotiations. They don't even know what they're negotiating or they go right to hire an attorney or right to hire a mediator without preparing. And so in that particular case, I believe that specific attorney didn't have a lot of experience and th these types of pensions that were already in pay status, the valuation of those. So we like for people to hire an attorney based on the nuances and the factors of the marital estate so that they're sure that attorney has experience and it's, is is boys to help them most effectively relative to whatever their specific challenges are, whether it's, you know, domestic violence or whether it's child with special needs or whether it's a high net worth estate or whether it's executive compensation, whatever it is, you as a client, as a person, if you're prepared, you get to decide who it would be the best attorney for you. And you get to decide what division scenario is most suited for you based on the financial work you've done to date. Totally. And a prepared client allows the opportunity for a good attorney to shine. And an unprepared client leads the space for an attorney to give you to their associates, to give you to anybody else, or to do lackadaisical work because you're not prepared. So how do you know? So being prepared is our mantra all the time so that you can pick that right attorney who will do the work for you. I know we could tell stories forever and ever and ever, right? And I know we go on and on and on and on. You know, hindsight is always your best sight, right? And that's why we do these episodes. So we hope you agree that knowing the facts beforehand will help you to get to a better conclusion to your divorce and equitable distribution. So let's compare this because Even a lot analogy. of people, yeah, let's, yeah, an analogy is a way better word. Thanks. So an analogy would be, let's just say you had a two-day fever. 
And so you believe that fever is a result of, I don't know what it could be from. Maybe it, it doesn't even matter, but would you go directly to what you think the surgery would be? Right? No, no. You're going to go to the doctor and you're going to go through the test and you're going to figure out what's wrong. And then you're going to go to a specialist and then you're going to make a decision based on everything you've learned as to what would be the best outcome for that fever that will not go away. Right. Obviously something's wrong. Obviously you have to do something about it, but you're not going to go directly to what you consider as a solution without doing all that preparatory work. Um, because at the end of the day, everyone's a human being. And that's why when you do go to surgery, they're, they're marking the surgery spot and having you confirm like an X marks the spot. Is this what we're doing? Because no. people do make I mistakes. Right, I come with my right leg. <laughs> why is my left leg marked? Yeah. And then you take the left leg off and you can't go back and put it back. You, you can't undo it, right? Yeah. Absolutely not. And it is incumbent upon us to know the facts and know what we're doing and know what we're signing and know what we're negotiating. I have another little story um, about my son who was going through a surgery and he was in the anesthesia room and they bring him this clipboard and it's, he's, you know, of age to sign by himself. And he was giving them authorization to do the surgery. So he just signs it, right? They bring it to him. Just, we just need you to sign this before you, we take you back. And I looked at him and I said, what did you just sign? He said, I don't know. So they brought it back and I, and I said, you just authorized them to do further surgery if they feel it's necessary. Are you okay? Because this was a really minor surgery. Mm -hmm. And he said, no, I don't think I am. So he asked them to bring another one and signed it differently. But that's all in understanding. Like it, we need to know. We can't just put our head in the sand or just think, well, everyone else just signs this. Well, maybe they do. But but sometimes it's very detrimental. And so even though your doctor, your lawyer, whoever tells you things, it's good that you know it for yourself. Because we're in a world where we need to know. And we need to take ownership of our decisions. Oh, my gosh. If you're sitting in mediation right now and you sat there for 11 hours and they tell you you agreed, and you, how many times, Karen, do we get calls? Oh, I just was listening and they said, I, now I'm getting an agreement I have to sign. And remember mm -hmm. the one attorney that got on? I said, wait a minute. Look at all these financial red flags here. She called the attorney and she's like, are you kidding me? I'm going to I'm going to risk my relationship with that other attorney. And that mediator, you've agreed to this. We spent all these hours almost like pushing her to sign something that was so unclear. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You just made me recall that. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's yeah, extraordinary, yes. but we can do better. And that's why we're here. And that's why we've done a hundred episodes and we're going to do a hundred more because <laughs> it's important and we're not yeah. stopping until we get this industry disrupted. So when you finish listen, listening to this recording, please comment. Uh, below committing to us and to yourself that you understand the importance of preparation. We are here to help. We appreciate your support and we value our audience so much. Please subscribe to WeChat Divorce Podcast. We're always open to any suggested topics. 
Stay tuned for the next 100 episodes as we continue to unravel the fascinating world of finance and divorce. Because remember, knowledge is power. And in divorce, knowledge is everything. So a little disclaimer here. The information was provided in this podcast for educational and informational purposes only and should not be considered as a financial legal advice given. Please consult with professionals in the relevant fields for personalized guidance. If you're considering divorce, make sure to protect your wealth with divorce financial planning from My Divorce Solution. Our certified divorce experts will help you untangle your finances and understand your settlement options so you can negotiate your marital assets with confidence. Protect your financial estate with divorce financial planning. Visit MyDivorceSolution.com to see if you qualify to work with our financial divorce experts. That's MyDivorceSolution.com for expert divorce financial planning. Thanks for joining us on another episode of We Chat Divorce. We hope this episode was informative and supportive on your divorce journey. If you're looking for more support for navigating divorce with confidence and clarity, head over to MyDivorceSolution.com for more podcast episodes, divorce events, and resources for your divorce. We'll see you back here for our next episode.